2: She called and told me that, you know, I just got a visit from the Hoffman Estates police and I was arrested for practicing medicine without a license, so you probably should not come today for prenatal appointments.
0: This is Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. Women are legally allowed to give birth in whichever way they want. But when it comes to who can attend the birth, the law gets tricky. Doctors and nurses are licensed to help with labor, but midwives don't always have that option. It depends on the state and whether or not the government licenses and regulates midwives can have consequences for the midwife's legal status, the mother's birth experience, and the baby's well-being. Here's Renee Gross.
3: A midwife, in its most basic sense, is someone who cares for women before, during, and after they give birth. Midwife's clients feel like they develop a more personal relationship with their midwives and have more power to make decisions about how they would like to give birth. These births can happen anywhere—in birth centers, bathtubs, living rooms—but when these births take place outside of the hospital, they're often legally
2: controversial. People tell me, you know, I've had a problem, I'm in the hospital now, you know, they want my records, what should I do? Valerie
3: Runes used to be a midwife in Chicago. She's now an attorney who specializes in family law. She's constantly getting calls from midwives who worry that they are in trouble with the law. And a lot of times they're calling simply because they don't even know if they're
2: legal. What's the law in my state? I don't know. You know, what do I do next? Should I hide all my equipment? Should I hide my records?
3: There are 26 states in the US that license and regulate midwives. The rest of the states don't have any system overseeing them. And if you can't regulate midwives, they are not legal, unless they are nurses. Midwifery advocates see this as a huge problem. Most midwives focus solely on pregnancy and birth. They believe becoming a nurse will require them to get a degree that for the most part isn't relevant to those things. These midwives are stuck in states where they are not legal, and the states differ in how they treat them. Some states tolerate the practice, others are ambiguous. And in some states, the practice of midwifery is downright prohibited, which means midwives practice underground. If they're caught, they're prosecuted for their work. Runez knows this from firsthand experience. She was a midwife for 20 years in Illinois, where midwifery is still not allowed.
2: I attended, I think, around 1,100 births during that time. But I was also aware all of the time that it was illegal.
3: When she started out as a midwife, Runes was apprenticing under Karen McDonald, another midwife in Chicago, until one day she got a call
2: from her. She called and told me that, you know, I just got a visit from the Hoffman Estates Police and I was arrested for practicing medicine without a license, so you probably should not come today for prenatal appointments.
3: McDonald agreed to a plea bargain. She said she would never practice again to avoid going to trial and maybe even jail. So Runes took over her practice. And Runez says she wasn't afraid. She says she knew situations like this could happen. But she thought if you were cautious enough, the state wouldn't bother to come after you
2: you know that's not going to happen to me that's not going to happen to you that's not going to happen to the southern midwife because we're all very careful
3: but 14 years later runa's found out that she was wrong the state did care about non-nurse midwifery practice so much so that they hired a private investigator to pose as a pregnant woman interested in home birth she called herself susie smith
2: We got a lot of phone calls. I got a phone call. Other midwives got a phone call. Hi, I'm Susie Smith. Um, I'm looking for a midwife. Can you help me?
3: Susie Smith was working undercover for the state. She asked midwives questions about what types of equipment they were using. She inquired
2: about their work. And she requested that they send her pamphlets about their practice. But a couple months later, I did get a cease and desist order. And um, it didn't come as a huge surprise. I looked at it and responded to it and sent a letter back to the Department of Professional Regulation telling them I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing.
3: It's a catch-22. In the states like Illinois, where there's no regulation or licensing program, the state can prosecute midwives for practicing medicine without a license.
2: There's still no law that prohibits the practice of direct entry midwifery in Illinois.
3: Advocates are fighting for midwives to be licensed and regulated in 22 states. Renee Kramer is an associate professor of law, politics, and society. She says part of the problem to getting regulation is that there isn't just one type of midwife, but many. There are nurse midwives, direct entry midwives, and certified professional midwives, all with various training and certification, which can be confusing for lawmakers. But Kramer says the bigger problem is that for most states, midwife regulation just isn't a top priority.
1: These are very small-scale politics. There's not a huge population of midwives and midwife-seeking families. State legislators are fighting battles over school funding and technology and um, redistricting. Those things seem much more immediate. Um, They have dollar signs attached. They have much larger lobbies. And Kramer says midwives
3: aren't only fighting legislators. They may also be fighting among themselves.
1: So in any instance where there's really small-scale politics, of course, we're going to see personality conflict. Midwives are not
3: only divided on what type of regulation they want to see. They also argue about whether or not regulation is necessary in the first place.
1: There are midwives and there are midwifery advocates who believe that we don't need government regulation of their profession because... The professional credential and or their own professional community can do that for them.
3: But Valerie Runas says there needs to be a third party regulating their profession. It's too difficult to manage within their own community.
2: Midwives are afraid of being seen as being judgmental. You know, if I tell her that she shouldn't be inducing labor with Pitocin at home, well, then I'm being judgmental. Maybe that's okay with her. Maybe that's okay with her client. Well... There's more to accountability than just being responsible to the client. And it can also be tough to know what to do when things go wrong. To provide for accountability, what do families do who have an issue with a midwife? You know, we don't do anything at this point, and there is no way to discipline a midwife in a state
4: where she's not licensed. My name's Bambi Chapman.
3: Chapman lives in Massillon, Ohio. She has six children. For her first four children, she gave birth in a hospital. But for her fifth and sixth, she decided to use a midwife.
4: And I thought it sounded absolutely amazing. I was enamored with it. And so I finally, by the time I had number five, I had the guts to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do this.
3: That birth went well, and Chapman assumed that the next birth, with her daughter Mary Beth, would go just as seamlessly. When she started going into labor, she called her midwife and kept her updated. Then she went about the rest of her day.
4: You know, I knew I was in labor, wasn't a huge deal, and stayed up all night, that night laboring as well. Still kept her posted. Finally, it was time for the midwife to
3: deliver Mary Beth.
4: 4.10 in the morning, I had I had called her and said, this baby's coming, you need to get over here.
3: But the midwife didn't arrive right away. Chapman started to push, so her husband called the paramedics.
4: He did, called the ambulance, hung up the phone, delivered our daughter, and then in walks medics.
3: The medics didn't have any training in births, so they sat and waited for the midwife.
4: You know, I just sat in the tub and made small talk with the guys.
3: The midwife came a little later and did a newborn exam. Chapman brought up a few concerns she had about Mary Beth, such as floppiness, jauntice, and a lack of rooting reflex. But her midwife said everything looked normal and there wasn't any need for a hospital transfer. Chapman didn't argue. Everyone left, and she laid down for a
4: nap. And then an hour later, my husband woke me up, um, had her in his arms, and said, I think she stopped breathing. And I took her from him, and she was lifeless. There was no heartbeat. There was no breath, no anything. Chapman rushed Mary Beth to the hospital, but it was too late. You know, I don't remember a whole lot of the things that were said to me, aside from When they let me know that they'd given her that second shot of epinephrine, but she wasn't responding. And, you know, I knew there wasn't much they were going to be able to do after that. And shortly after is whenever they pronounced her. Chapman tried to bring a wrongful death
3: suit against her midwife, but no lawyer would touch her case. She now firmly believes that had she been in a hospital, Mary Beth would have lived. It's clear that Chapman's midwife should have been more attentive to Mary Beth. But another part of the problem is the split between hospitals and midwives. Renee Kramer says things are much more likely to go wrong when birth professionals don't get along with each other. The doctors may refuse to look at the patient's records, or in some instances may have security escort the midwife out. They may also threaten to report the midwife to the state— Valerie Runes says this can have terrible
2: consequences. So, you know, there are midwives certainly who drop off clients at the ER and wish them good luck, you know. But you can't do that. That's, that's not good for anybody. But there are people who do that because they're afraid. They're afraid of prosecution.
3: But more and more, there are states where hospitals and midwives are coexisting and even working together, like in Florida. Florida requires midwives and hospitals to consult with one another before the births and that midwives write out their backup plans. Florida has clear rules and expectations for midwives, and has been licensing them since 1992.
5: And I was one of the first midwives licensed in Florida in 1994, because I was a foreign-trained midwife. That's Jenny
3: Joseph, a certified professional midwife. She runs a birth center for low-income women in Winter Garden, Florida. These women are usually at higher risk for prematurity and poor pregnancy outcomes. But by taking every patient who comes to her for prenatal care and enabling them to make their own decisions about their births, she's been able to turn statistics around. 95% of babies born at her birth center have been
5: born at full term. We feel part of um, something productive, something positive. We don't go home all frustrated and angst-ridden because we had a bad day. We love this work. So we're happy the patients and the clients, their families are happy. The community knows what we're doing and supports us. We have this overall sort of bubble of joy over here.
3: Joseph isn't a traditional midwife in the sense that she prioritizes home births or natural care. Instead, she draws on the model of midwifery that empowers patients. If a patient wants prenatal care at the center and then to give birth at the hospital, she arranges for that to happen.
5: Here I was bringing them Um, or providing full records and a fully prenatal, healthy and prepared woman ready to deliver. They were very happy and able and willing to take those women and deliver them and then duly return them to me after they were done.
3: These low-income women usually wouldn't be able to afford Joseph's care. But since midwifery is legal in Florida, it is mostly covered under Medicaid. Midwives in other states are far from getting covered on insurance they're still working on becoming legal and regulated. In some states, midwives may even be gaining some ground. 14 states have some kind of midwife legislation pending. But even if these states do get legislation passed, the battle may still not be over.
1: You can have a legal status for midwives and yet no one accesses them if they're not considered at least a tiny bit mainstream. In the end, legality is
3: a step, but it may not be enough. Midwives have to change our culture's perception of midwifery. They have to prove that home birth is indeed a legitimate, safe, and empowering option for women to take. That's a challenge for all midwives, no matter which state they're in, and regardless of whether the practice is legal or not. For Life of the Law, I'm Renee Gross.
0: This episode was edited by Ann Hepperman and Pat Walters, with sound design and production by Caitlin Prest. Howard Gelman was our engineer. Our music was composed by Todd McDonald, Matthew Darr, and Kyle Kaplan. Renee Kramer was our scholarly advisor. Life of the Law is a nonprofit project of the Tide Center. We receive generous funding from the Open Society Foundations, the Law and Society Association, and the Proteus Fund. We're distributed by the Infinite Guest Network of Podcasts from American Public Media and PRX, Public Radio Exchange. If you're new to Life of the Law, visit our website, lifeofthelaw.org. I'm Nancy Mullane. Thanks for listening.